Chapter 4 Grandma, where did Daddy go? Tim asked as the front door closed. His grandmother held him tightly and shook her head. He had to go away. With Mummy? I wish I knew, she answered honestly. The hospital room door swung open along with Tim's adult eyes. He'd been dreaming again. It was morning already. The blinds emitted the telltale signs of daylight between the slats, but he would swear he barely slept. Given the opportunity, he felt he could sleep forever. A nurse walked in with a urine bottle and smiled at him. Good morning, detective. Good to see you are finally awake. Immediately ruffling her hands under his covers in order to get to her destination. She had cold hands and a quick touch, which Tim was neither ready nor happy about. He wanted to ask, what, no foreplay? but guessed his sarcasm would land him in trouble, reminding himself that she was nearer to removing his ability to reproduce than he was defending himself. I'm Nurse Howard. You want to try and fill this for me? She didn't so much ask as order. He tensed all over, unable to fill anything for anyone. Not ready for one yet? I don't think so. Maybe later. He promised as if taken away an expected gift. No problem, honey. Soon as you feel ready, you just give me a call and I'll be right here. She left the room, leaving him thankful. He reminded himself why he was in hospital at all. A panic attack from hell, Dow called it. Tim witnessed people having them before, but he'd never experienced one himself. He knew they were nasty things, but had no idea they could actually attempt to end life, or held the potential to. It was all about panic, he knew. And having his mind believe it could not control itself, or the things around it, scared him. He was always in control, and for as long as he could remember, he had always been the same way. Then he remembered what brought the whole sorry affair on in the first place. Dad's alive? Oddly, the idea didn't chill him as much as it first had. As though the initial shock had coated his gut with a protective barrier through which very little could now penetrate. He felt no anger, no rage, no misery. Not this time. Now he felt numb, almost serene. Perhaps Tim was dead after all. Perhaps this hospital room was heaven itself, or heaven's waiting room. If that was the way it was supposed to be, who was he to question it? He looked up at the small TV holstered to the wall above the door. Next to him was a remote control. He picked it up and pressed each button until he got a response. Suddenly the TV buzzed into action. Before he realised where the volume control was, the darn thing was screaming out at him. The nurse entered the room again. You want some help? she asked, still holding the urine bottle. No, this wasn't heaven. Did she walk around with that thing all day long, hoping to get lucky? Was she going to threaten him with it again, he wondered. Sorry, I didn't realise, he gestured to the TV, then to the urine bottle. And I'm still not ready for that. No problem, but you've got to go sometime, she told him. Again, it was more of a threat than a promise. There is a bathroom inside there. She gestured to another door near his bed. But you're hooked up, so don't attempt to use it. You need to go? You call me, OK? You didn't eat or drink anything yet. Get some water inside you, detective. We'll work on the food later. She poured him a tumbler of water and left it on his nightstand. You're a popular boy today. We've got visitors outside already. You feeling up to seeing them yet? Tim smiled and attempted to pull himself up to a sitting position with the help from the nurse. Jane and Dale, he guessed. He could hardly wait. He nodded. I'll send them in. He turned off the TV and looked down at the sheets. 
Underneath, he wore a hospital gown and wondered what happened to his own clothes. He'd put money on the nurse being the one who removed him in the first place. She seemed friendly in her own way, but he wouldn't want to get on her wrong side. A doctor and another man, stocky in appearance, entered. He felt disappointed. No Jane, no Dale. Technically, he told himself, that was one visitor and one doctor. Detective, the doctor placed notes on Tim's legs. I'm Dr Bennett. I'll be looking after you while you're visiting us. I brought an early morning visitor for you. You seem to be doing extremely well when you think it looked like you were checking out yesterday. He was of medium height and build. If it wasn't for his shiny blonde hair and slightly bucked teeth, he would probably have gone completely unnoticed. He noted the monitors and wrote down their findings. But I have a great team. He tucked his pen inside his top pocket and took the chart from the bed. They saved your life. You've a lot to be thankful for. I am. Thank you. The man sitting beside him was Redfern, and he didn't look best pleased. In fact, the look he had plastered on his face didn't look at all familiar. Was it concern? He actually looked worried. Captain? Angel? You feeling okay? Sure. Then why the hell isn't your butt in my precinct where it belongs? His face eventually cracked into a smile. It was a relief, but even if Redfern wanted to play the big bad boss routine, it didn't scare him in the least. But seriously, he went on, what all brought all this on in the first place? You're the most level-headed cop I've ever known. You don't seem the type to suffer with panic attacks. What the hell happened? Did it all get too much for you or something? Tim looked at the doctor, then at the captain. Then it occurred to him. If there was one person he should talk to, perhaps it ought to be his boss. He was as near to a father figure he had now his grandfather was gone. Can we have a minute, please, doctor? Sure, but at some point I'd still like to know what happened too. A man like you doesn't get into a panic attack for no reason. Something triggered this. He left the room, leaving the two alone. So what's going on? Your girlfriend's not up to left you for Faulkner already, has she? He scoffed. The thought had crossed Tim's mind once or twice, but now he was reminded of the fact Dale took her home. It bore heavily into his imagination. It also left a nasty taste in his mouth that even Redfern would think Tim couldn't keep his girlfriend if Dale was around. Steady, he told himself. He didn't want to induce another attack. Besides, he trusted Jane. Dale, however, was a whole other issue. No, nothing like that. Things are fine there. As far as I know, he thought to himself. So, Spill, what set you to crazy town for the afternoon? I don't know for sure, Captain. Faulkner says you took a call, then things went belly up. Who was on the phone? An agency. He asked himself how far he wanted to take it, how much he wanted his boss to know about his childhood. Sure, it might help understand his point of view, but at the same time it was intensely personal. If the wrong person got hold of the information, he could see practical jokes littering the precinct from now until retirement, and that was something he couldn't bear. Privacy was private for a reason. What agency? Actually, you know what? I think it's fine. He nodded, overcompensating. I overreacted. I'm perfectly okay now. I can get back to work straight away. I'm really sorry this happened. Redfern squinted. Like I said, you're the most level-headed cop I know. Right now, you are not behaving like the level-headed cop I know. What the hell is up? Nothing. You sit there attached to two machines. Last night, our hero almost died from hyperventilation brought on by a severe panic attack. And now you tell me you're perfectly fine. I've been a cop a long time, detective. This is bullshit, and I'm not buying any of it. Tim pulled off the two pads attached to his chest and threw the leads on the bed. 
I don't know why they insist on overcomplicating things in hospitals. They go overboard, to say the least. Really, I'm fine. Immediately, the machines beeped, bringing in the nurse from her station. She thrust open the door and stared at the patient. He insisted on removing the leads. Redfern confessed, raising his hands in surrender. I don't know what's gotten into him. Well, lucky for you, Detective Angel. The doctor just told me these things are okay to come off anyway. She gave him a sullen look, bundled them up and removed the entire machine, wheeling it from the room, glaring at him once more on the way out. Redfern gestured to the one on his finger. Better keep that one on, huh? I hear these nurses eat guys like you for breakfast. Tim lifted it, nodded and sighed. So, Angel, you going to talk or what? There's nothing to say. So I went a little crazy, he shrugged. Dale's crazy all the time and you don't say a thing to him. He's made that way. You, Tim, are not. That's why you two are partners. Now I could tell myself you had a bad day. Switched off your brain and for a while you found yourself at a hospital. And thank God you did, by the way. But at the same time, I need to know it won't happen again. I need to know you're fit for duty. You can count on it, Captain. How can you promise a thing like that? Something triggered it. I've known you a long time and nothing like this has ever happened before. Tell me about this call you got from an agency. What kind of agency? It's nothing. Humour me. Tim sighed, but Redfern was not letting this go. They find long-lost relatives. You've been searching for someone? No, that's just it. I wasn't. He didn't want to go into detail about Jane. In fact, he wanted to talk to Jane before he talked to anyone else. Then who? Someone else. Redfern raised an eyebrow. You playing with me, kid? I want to help you, you know. You're one of my best guys. I want you back in the office, not lying here in a hospital room looking like crab. I'm fine, he answered firmly. I disagree. I'm going to give you a few days to sort your crap out. I don't want to see you in there until you're ready. Tim gasped. I am ready, Redfern stood. I don't believe you are. It's not a crime to be sick. Give yourself a couple of days. It won't go on your record. I'll make sure of that, but I want you back sane. I want you back to be able to cope. I am completely sane, he insisted, and I can cope. But Redfern still wasn't convinced. His sour expression was clear evidence of that. What? I overacted one tiny thing in over ten years on the force, and the one time I actually show some emotion, you're packing me off home until I'm better. I'm human, Captain. I'm not a robot. Being human is no problem to me, Angel. Behaving out of character is. What kind of boss would I be if I sent you out on the streets of Boston with a weapon and you weren't ready for the pressure? You hear it all the time about people going out there and getting crazy with their weapons, using them like their toys. I'm not like that. Right, and I'm not giving you the opportunity to be like that either. Besides, he lowered his tone, I've got your weapon anyway. I just want you to be able to cope on the streets. Half the force can't cope with them these days. Angel, I'm serious. So am I. Surely I'm allowed one foul up. The machine monitoring his pulse beeped faster. He could literally hear his blood pressure rising. This isn't a punishment. This foul up, as you put it, landed you in hospital. They tell me you almost died. Your heart stopped, goddammit. Something's not right. I don't know what it is. Redfern shook his head casually. Whatever it is, you can talk to me. Come on, kid, open up. He wished he could, but Tim just couldn't be sure he could trust Redfern. Nothing seemed the same since yesterday. For an optimistic person, he was sure feeling depressed. Depressed and frustrated. Tell me about this call. There's nothing to tell. Someone was trying to trace me. Who? Some long-lost relative. I don't even know them. He sounded convincing. He even convinced himself. 
And that's all? Yeah. And you and Jane are okay? Perfectly. I hear she had Faulkner take her home last night. Apparently. Tim rolled his eyes at the thought. This was getting nowhere. This kind of fishing was useless. He's a good guy, Tim. He will look out for her while you're in here. Of course, he added dryly. At the same time, I'd still watch my back. His heart's in the right place, but then so's his dick. He knew the risks only too well with Dale. When Jane joined him for a ride-along a few months ago to gain insight into real life and death on the streets for her latest novel, Dale was more than just interested in her. Thankfully, she was more interested in Tim. He hoped like hell she still was. If he lost her too, that would finish him off. Paranoia? Where had that come from? He sighed heavily. What the hell happened last night? Redfern checked his watch. I've got to get moving. If you want to talk, kid, you know where to call. Failing that, I'll see you back in the office in a few days. I'll be there tomorrow. You go deaf overnight. I'm serious. If you show up, I'll put you on suspension. And I don't want to do that. So don't. Redfern glared. So cos life threw you a curve, you've got to screw things up for the rest of us. His bark was most definitely worse than his bite, but all the same, Tim got the message. Stay away from the office. Clear? Crystal. He whined like a spoiled child. Redfern closed the door behind him. Tim lay in the bed, thinking of all places he'd prefer to be but here. First and foremost, he wanted to talk to Jane. Secondly, he wanted to be able to do his job. Focusing on his job would stop him dwelling on the situation. And, if he was with Dale, Dale wouldn't get the chance to chase after Jane. The thought occurred to him that he could actually discharge himself. That way he was completely responsible for himself and despite last night's faux pas, he could prove he was ready for work. He pushed the sheets off and sat at the side of the bed. He daren't get up until he knew where his clothes were. The last thing he wanted was to walk around the room with his butt hanging out of his gown. Since he would bet his life, the nurse would walk back in. Just then the door opened. Tim looked up, expecting to see the nurse, as predicted. Instead, it was Dr. Bennett. What are you... I want to leave. I have to get back to work. Why? I'm not sick, he said simply. I don't need to be in here. But I want to keep you here for observation. No. Are you always this unreasonable? Doctor asked calmly. Tim took a deep breath and let it out slowly. Why wasn't anyone listening to him? I appreciate something happened last night, but I'm feeling fine now. He spoke with clarity, though sarcasm laced his words. I'm thankful for your help, but I'm not a child and I really think it's time I left. I'm your doctor, Detective Angel. I'll tell you when you're fit to leave, and it's not now. When will I be? When I say you are, I want you to talk to someone first. What do you mean, talk to someone? Who's someone? Dr. Bennett cocked an eyebrow. It was obvious what he meant. You mean a shrink? Tim sighed. He'd bet Bennett had spoken with Redfern. The two were conspiring against him. This was all he needed, having the department's dock on his back too. Listen, Doctor, I have a life to get back to. I have a job to do, and I can't do that job when I'm being kept here, when there's nothing wrong with me. How do you know there's nothing wrong with you? Is there? Tim asked flatly. Are you a doctor? No, of course not, Tim said. Would you be mad at me if I came down to the station and told you how to arrest people? I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, Doctor, I... but I do know how I feel and I feel fine. Fine, eh? Yeah, frustrated as hell and it's grown by the minute, I can tell you. But fine all the same. How do you feel about a compromise? Like? You stay in for observation overnight, talk to someone, and provided nothing untoward happens, I'll agree to let you leave tomorrow. 
Untoward like what? What are you expecting? Another episode? He mimed, wide eyes and an overdramatic expression. I certainly don't intend to have another one. I've never had one before. Well, you had one hell of an attack last night. Stopped you breathing for a while. Tim decided the out-of-body experience was an out-of-bounds subject too. If he mentioned a thing about that, psych would definitely come down on him like a ton of bricks. Yes, he decided his silence would pay dividends. Overnight, it wasn't a long time to wait. He would do it. Just tonight? Sure. I need the bed as much as you need to leave, let's face facts, but you were in pretty bad shape. Fine. He pulled himself back into bed, pulled the covers up and let out a long sigh, picking up the remote control. The doctor hid a smile and walked to the door. By the way, you have another visitor. Pretty thing she is too. You want me to send her in? Tim's eyes smiled before his mouth did, but it wasn't far behind. Hell yeah. He wanted to talk to Jane more than anybody. There were so many questions he needed answering. As the door opened, a woman walked in and smiled. She didn't look familiar at all, but he knew she wasn't Jane. Then disappointment hit him all over again. He wanted to see Jane so much. Hi, she smiled sweetly. She had an excitement about her, as though she were meeting a celebrity. I'm Tessa. I'm sorry, Tim stared. Am I supposed to know you? She grinned like a Cheshire cat as she stuck out her hand to shake his. We've never met, but we're related. I'm Tessa Angel. I'm your sister.